0: welcome to house of david ministries i'm pastor eric
1: and i'm gabriella join us as we learn about the rich heritage of our christian faith
0: in each episode we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of christ and who we are as his people
1: hello and welcome to season four of the house of david podcast for those of you who are new to House of David, we are a teaching ministry that helps Christians understand their biblical heritage and connection to Israel. If you have been following House of David podcasts for a while, you may be wondering who I am, and you might also notice that we are starting off this season with a new podcast format. So first of all, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Gabriela. I am Pastor Eric's sister, and I've joined House of David as a contributing commentator. I will be hosting the new podcast series along with Pastor Eric, in which we will be engaging in discussing and answering questions on many exciting topics, which we will expand on a bit later in today's podcast. So let's get started. Hi, Eric.
0: Hi, Gabriella, and welcome to the House of David podcast. And I'm pretty excited to have you join us because I know that you're going to be able to add quite a bit of insight and depth to our episodes as we start digging into these different biblical topics.
1: Well, I'm very excited for this new season, and I think our listeners will be blessed by this new podcast format.
0: And Yeah, and for our listeners, just to kind of let you know that the format has changed a bit. So previously, it was just me on the podcasts, and of course, now my sister, Gabriella is here. And so going, going forward, you're going to see that the podcasts will be a lot more conversational as we dig into these rich biblical topics. And we're going to explore some of the old topics. We're going to go back and revisit some of them and uh, dig in with some questions and go a little more deep into them. But we're also going to be exploring some new topics as well as we move into this new season.
1: I thought it would be interesting to start out actually by talking about the mission of House of David Ministries and how it got started. I love hearing your story about how God has worked in your life and led you here. For those of you who don't know our story, Eric and I grew up in Israel and we were raised in a Jewish home. Now you became a follower of Yeshua over 20 years ago and I was saved about four years ago. That's a whole different story, um, which we can talk about another time.
0: Yeah, we should actually.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll plan a plan a podcast for that one. But I remember all those years where you were witnessing to your very secular Jewish family members, myself included, and you never got discouraged or gave up on us. So take us back a bit and tell us a little bit about your testimony and how House of David got started. And let's talk about what is the calling and mission today of the ministry.
0: Sure, it's it's a long story, uh, so I'll just go into part of it. And I think the more interesting part started in the late 1990s, probably around 1997. And Kim, my wife and I, we had moved to Northern Nevada. And I would say at that time, I was definitely not spiritual. I mean, I was not interested in any religion, Judaism, Christianity, or anything else for that matter. And Kim, you know, we had kids, two kids by then. And Kim decided that she wanted to raise her kids with some religious upbringing, which I was okay with if, you know, she could pick whatever she wanted. So we tried Judaism. We visited some synagogues. We really didn't find one close by that was fitting. It was a good fit for us. And so we agreed. It was really actually more Kim's idea to start visiting some churches. And eventually, uh, after visiting a number of churches, we decided that we were going to take the kids to church on Sunday for Sunday school and they would get their biblical uh, education and upbringing. And essentially we decided we were going to raise the kids as Christian.
1: And I just want to ask you, at this point, you had no spiritual connection to the church. You were just going.
0: I was just going right. Just going and listening. And, you know, I was curious about, you know, what was Christianity all about? I didn't really, I mean, I certainly had heard about Jesus, but, I I didn't know anything about Christianity I didn't know anything about denominations. I didn't know anything about Christian theology or really for that part, I really didn't know who Jesus was. And uh, so I, you know, I listened to the sermons, I'd listened to the worship songs, but I really never felt much of a connection at all. And I think a big part of it for me, that a big challenge was that the churches really seem to worship this person Jesus, and I think as a Jewish as a Jewish man, that was extremely foreign to me because God, you know, we I believed in a God. I was at some point before that maybe a little more agnostic, but I still believed in that there had to be something out there. But to me, our, my idea of God and in the Jewish sense is that God is invisible. He's somewhere else in the heavenly realm. You can't see him. He doesn't have any corporal body. And he's he's just not like us in any way. He's, he's not human. He's not going to walk around in a human form. So this was a huge um, disconnect for me with with the church. Now, I, I did believe in the idea of a Messiah. You know, that's something that is actually ingrained into Judaism. And our mother certainly talked about that quite a bit. I'm waiting for the Messiah to come. But in the Jewish sense, our idea of Messiah is that he's not God. The Messiah is a man born just like any other person. And he's going to come and he's going to save Israel. He's going to deliver us from our enemies and he's going to usher in world peace. So, again, the the idea of this worshiping this God-man or man-God, demigod, seemed really strange to me. And actually, I would say unacceptable. I mean, it just, it didn't feel right to me. And yet, at the same time, the idea of the world needing a savior was pretty apparent. I mean, the world to me was a mess. I saw a lot of problems in the world, and I felt like somebody, something needs to come in and just fix our problems. And so I, I was open to the idea of needing a savior. But again, I really didn't have any understanding about who this person, Jesus, was. And so I continued to, I would say, struggle in my identity uh, because I'm attending a church and I felt, you know, I was a Jewish person. i certainly felt a strong Jewish identity. And I think in, in our case, growing up in Israel gave us an even stronger Jewish identity. But I could not feel any Jewish connection to the churches that we attended. And even though I essentially knew that Jesus was this Jewish person, The churches that we did attend over the years and we visited different churches and different denominations, there was nothing there that really resembled our Jewish upbringing. Certainly nothing close to what we had in Israel. And so now it's early 2000, maybe 2001, and we moved from Nevada to New Hampshire and we began, we attended a few new churches in this area and ended up attending a a Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, which was close to our house. And Kim signed us up for the newcomer's class. And I sat there listening, you know, for weeks on on end about Baptist polity. But I had this ongoing burdening question about who was this Jesus? And, you know, was he really the Messiah? Or maybe was Christianity some human-made religion about a Jewish man named Jesus? And I, I just couldn't get past that question. Because there were so many people that, so many Christians, you know, sort of well-meaning people, good people, that had this idea about Jesus as God, Jesus as the Savior, that, you know, he died for our sins and, and all of those things that I now understand. And none of those things made any sense to me. And so either they were completely wrong and off base, or maybe there was something that I was actually missing in Christianity. And so Kim had bought a, a King James Bible, old King James Bible at Walmart and in the, you know, the kind of leather bound thing that you buy at Walmart and was sitting on our living room table. I'm so curious, table for, why did
1: she buy the, why did she buy a Bible? Well,
0: because the Baptist church pretty much said that if you're going to read the Bible, that was their, in their mind, the only authorized version of the Bible that they wanted us to read. And so She's like, well, if they want us to read King James, then I'll buy a King James Bible. And I'm not really that great in languages. I'm an engineer. And so reading old King James, you would think was the wrong translation for me to start reading. But ironically, and I remember, you know, sitting in my living room here in New Hampshire. And again, like I said, I believed in God. And I, but I I didn't know it was in this book. And so, but I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. I really wanted to know the truth. And so I just sort of, without saying anything out loud, I just kind of in my head said, "Well, God, I'm going to read this book, and I just want—I just want to know the truth about what's in this book." And um, that—and you know—that prayer was answered because as soon as I started reading, you know, really the, starting with Matthew, Matityahu, it was remarkable the amount of just—I would say—divine revelation that I was getting. I, like light bulbs were just going off my head all over the place. And I really began to understand things about God and Jesus and the world and and sin and salvation and eternal life. I mean, all of these things just started to make sense. In fact, I would say that all of those questions that I'd had from before, you know, life after death and what happens when we die, all of those questions were being answered as I was reading the New Testament.
1: So as soon as you went into the Word of God, you, the answers started to show up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was really touched by, you know, Jesus himself as a person and the healings and the miracles that he did and just the way that he, he spoke to us. I mean, really, I felt like, and especially Matthew, because, you know, Jesus even said, I didn't come except for the lost sheep of Israel. And I felt like he came for me, you know, I'm a Jewish man and and he came for me. He's, he's our Jewish Messiah. And, um, but I still had this, this one kind of nagging question because at that point I'm like, okay, he, you know, he's the anointed one. He has to be the Messiah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he had to be God. And, and that, that question I really needed, I really needed answered. And so here I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading through the, you know, most of the New Testament, at least all of the gospels. And I went to the book of Revelation and then I went back to the Old Testament prophecies, because to me, the Old Testament was infallible. I mean, I knew that what was written down, that we, the Jewish people, had meticulously scribed word for word, you know, dot for dot for thousands of years, and I trusted it. And so when I went back and started rereading the Old Testament prophecies, I was seeing essentially Jesus popping up everywhere. And, and it was astonishing to me because the, the Old Testament prophecies absolutely confirmed everything that I had been reading in the New Testament and the Gospels and in the book of Revelation. And, you know, I had this epiphany, this moment where I'm reading the Old Testament prophecies and I, you know, I just finished reading Revelation and towards the end of Revelation, there's this image where he's coming in the clouds with power and great glory and, you know, he's got a crown on his head, a name that no one knows but he himself. And he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And it, it struck me in that very moment. And these are, by the way, similar, you know, dreams and visions that prophets like Daniel had. And it struck me in in that moment that, oh, my, the Christians had it right after all. Jesus, Jesus is God. And when when I got that revelation, like the last pieces kind of fell into place. The last, very, very last part that the Lord walked me through after that was understanding the need for atonement and the vicarious atonement of Christ and the propitiation, the payment that he made for us on the cross, why he had to die, why God sent him in the first place. To die and, you know, to live, to walk as a man, to live a life as a man on earth and to be tempted in every way that, you know, we ourselves are tempted, but to overcome the temptations of this world and to live this perfect life in complete, perfect, humble submission and obedience to God and to willingly give his life uh, for us uh, on the cross for our sins. Because if he wasn't God, then his death meant nothing but if he is god his death means everything because god was willing to make himself his own sacrifice god was willing to sacrifice himself for us and that that sacrifice blew me away that the idea that god himself would be willing to sacrifice himself as god for our sins because we certainly didn't deserve that and he's God and he certainly didn't have to do that. So that, that revelation struck me and I remember that's when I finally realized that Jesus was not only Messiah, savior of the world in a a big sense, but he was also my, my personal savior. And of course, you know, I accepted, believed now and understood and accepted Jesus as my Lord and savior. So House of David Ministries, uh, you had asked about that also. And you, you can't separate the personal story from the ministry because they're intertwined. And to be honest, House of David Ministry started as people, a lot, a lot of pastors, actually, that in the places we were living, that discovered that I was a believer and that I was Jewish and that I was raised in Israel, took this some not all, but many actually took this remarkable fascination for me. They're like, they're like an anomaly, like, how does this Jewish guy get saved? And, you know, and who led him to Christ? Well, nobody, actually. It was just me reading the Bible, which was really kind of ironic. But
1: yeah, I find um, that people get very excited about it when they hear about a Jew that, you know, has become you've a follower. run into that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you've run into that
0: also. Yeah. And the other thing, which is which was a sort of funny, was that they thought I knew everything about the Bible, which was not true because my understanding of the Bible was not only rusty, but it was very misguided because I didn't know anything about Jesus. And so now I'm going back and I'm rereading all of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way through with a very new perspective, reading, reading the Old Testament. So I didn't know um, everything about anything, actually. And uh, I had to go back and do a tremendous amount of reading. But, but House of David Ministry started with just people inviting me to come to their church or come to their men's group or small fellowship. And they said, hey, come and we just want you to tell us your testimony. Tell us what it was like, you know, living in Israel, growing up in Israel. But more importantly, tell us about the Bible for, as, as a Jew. <laughs> he felt that, that hearing me give the perspective on the scriptures from, as a Jewish man from a Jewish perspective, they really wanted to hear that, um, which w- was kind of surprising. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go along with this. I mean, if that's, Lord, if that's the, you know, the hook that you wanted to use, then so be it. But that began to open uh, multiple doors for me to come and teach and to minister. And I'd meet one pastor after another and word of mouth, word of mouth. And eventually I met a pastor, Samuel Walker, who was, Actually, a Jewish pastor. He was a Jewish believer. And he invited me to start with him and with another pastor, start a collegiate ministry in the area we were, we were living in, Chico, which is a college town north of Sacramento. And he invited me to start this collegiate ministry. And then a year later, uh, offered to give me a pastoral ordination. And that was in 2000. And I think that was 2008. So I got saved probably around 2002. Time period, maybe 2003. And, you know, five, six years later, uh, I'm ordained as a pastor. So I was definitely in a fast track to ministry. And I, you know, I kept uh, asking the Lord, like, well, what should I call this ministry, this collegiate ministry? And I kept hearing in my head, House of David. And to me, House of David had a lot of very significant prophetic, implicate, implica- biblical implications, because the House of David, um, the fallen tabernacle of David is. One of the prophecies that God has promised to restore, fallen tabernacle of David. But if you read the scriptures even more carefully, you really see that the house of David, Jesus is called David, although he's not King David per se. He's of the lineage of David. So he's called David and he's called the righteous branch. And his house essentially to me is a picture of the church. And so house of David ministries is really the house of Jesus or the church of Jesus. And I have that inf- information kind of somewhat articulated on on the website, but you can really un- unpackage that because and some of the verses even go further and they say in that day that the house of David shall be like God. It's not that they're God, but they're they're going to reflect the perfect image of God. And we know that we the church are being transformed day by day into the perfect image of Christ was God. So the, you know, again, you can see the implications there. So uh, I, you know, I'm, my heart was for discipleship and I knew that that's where God wanted to take the church. And so that requires teaching. It requires instruction. It requires kind of personal one-on-one interaction. And I started this collegiate ministry with young college students from all over the world. They were coming to this little quaint little bungalow house in Chico a few blocks from the university that was donated for me to use. And we'd, we'd worship, we'd pray, uh, we would I would teach and disciple from scriptures. The vision that House of David has today is much more clear and much more refined than it was 10, you know, say 10, 15 years ago. And And what I mean by that is that God's really given me a real strong heart for seeing the church come together as one family of God. One house, one household. And so unity, and that's one new man, as as Paul says in Ephesians 2, or one new humanity, as some people like to say, or, you know, one people of God or one household of God, but really seeing the family of God coming together of every tongue and tribe and nation and people. And, of course, included in God's house and very central to his kingdom is the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And, uh, you know, through my study, not of just the scriptures, but also books of church history and and other commentaries that I've read over the years and I've done a tremendous amount of reading, I've come to realize that the church somewhat, I think, intentionally, maybe at first unintentionally, but later intentionally, moved away from its foundation. And that's another whole, we're going to start digging into that in some of these later episodes, but the church moved away off of the foundation that that God established through the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and got into replacement theology, supersessionism, and other theologies that really just are not in line with the Bible and God's plans for his kingdom and for the restoration of Israel. So I feel like the helping the church to reconnect and make that connection, that reconnection back to its foundation and understanding how The church is connected to Israel, and how the church is connected to the Jewish people. And Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem, and He's going to establish His kingdom in Jerusalem, and He's going to rule the nations from Israel. Those details about the kingdom of God, God has really put on my heart strongly and profoundly to teach. So that's kind of in in a nutshell. And so again, we talk about how you know this ministry. Is about helping uh, Christians understand their biblical foundation, and I'm, I'm not talking about making Christians Jews. We'll we'll talk about that because that's not what the Bible says. But there is a foundation, a biblical foundation, of biblical Judaism that is different even than Rabbinic Judaism and what we see today. And there's a heritage uh, of the the nations that are connected to Israel and connected to the land of Israel and. Uh, to the Jewish people. And so this ministry is to help make those connections as a Jewish person. And you and I, of course, Jews grew up in Israel, but also to help Christians understand their connection to Israel.
1: And why do you think that that's important? Why is understanding the Jewish roots of the faith important for Christians?
0: I think there are a lot of reasons why it is extremely important. Uh, the first, of course, is that the church is called to witness to every nation to actually to disciple every nation and of course Paul makes it very clear he several times he says to the Jew first and so the church has a calling has a responsibility to God to witness to the Jewish people and to share the gospel with the Jewish people even if they're not willing to listen you know cuz anybody we share with they might not be willing to listen but that doesn't excuse us from the responsibility To share with them, because if they share and they reject, then then it's on them. But if we share and they accept, then God is glorified in that. And that's what we've been called to do. The other thing that is important, and Paul talks about this, is that the church is actually called to provoke Israel to jealousy. Meaning that there's something about the church and the way that we are walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit With signs and wonders and and miracles that the church is supposed to walk in in that, in the peace and love and joy and of the Holy Spirit and and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and all of these things that we are promised. And the Jewish people are supposed to to look at us and be provoked to jealousy, to say, well, they have something that I want, something about these Christians that I don't have, and I whatever it is that they have. I want it. And so our job is to preach the gospel and our job is to provoke people to jealousy. And it's really in loving them and, you know, showing them the love of God uh, and also the the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that brings the peace and all of the things that come with the fruit of the Spirit. People look at that and they say, yeah, I want, I want part of that. I want to be part of that.
1: I have uh, many Christian friends who have started celebrating the festivals and, and learning about the Jewish heritage of their faith, um, and they all feel that this has added so much richness to their
0: lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and see, that's the thing about uh, a lot of the church focuses on the gospel of salvation, which is extremely important, and I wouldn't diminish that at all. But there's, there's a bigger piece, what I call the gospel of the kingdom, and, and like I said earlier, I mean, the, the when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to Jerusalem and he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. He's going to establish his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem, uh, in, in Israel. Jesus is a Jew himself, and so he's coming back to this place. He's going to gather all of the lost tribes of Israel. He's going to bring the remnant of all the nations that have come out of the tribulation up to Jerusalem from year to year to worship him, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And so there's kingdom value for the church in understanding its biblical foundation and that it is connected to to ancient and to modern Israel. So there's this spiritual heritage that uh, the church is part of the restoration of Israel. Even now, even before Christ returns, and this is going to lead up to the return of Christ. And the church has promised to rule and reign with Christ over all the nations of the earth. And so the psalm reads, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance, for an inheritance. And so clearly Jesus is going to receive the earth as an inheritance. And we, the church, are going to rule and reign with him, which means that we receive the nations of the earth as an inheritance. And so the nations are directly connected to the Jewish people. In fact, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, it says, when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. And the Hebrew is B'nai Israel," it's sons of Israel. And so clearly every nation is connected to Israel. And so, in fact, we see the New Jerusalem, it has 12 gates, right, and they're The 12 gates are named after the 12 tribes of Israel. It has a foundation that are the 12 apostles of the Lamb who are all Jews. Our eternal destiny is in Christ, who is a Jew, but it's also connected to Israel.
1: Well, I am really excited to see the new Jerusalem. I'm sure all of us are waiting expectantly for those days. So, Eric, tell us about some more of the topics that our listeners can look forward to in the upcoming season.
0: Well, we've got a lot of great topics that we want to share with you. We're going to explore the importance of the Old Testament and its connection to the New Testament and the Old and the New Covenants. We're going to dig into God's festivals and His holy convocations. We're going to talk about ecclesiology and how the church and Israel are connected, how they're joined together in unity, every nation, every tongue and tribe and language. And we're going to talk about biblical prophecy, eschatology, that point to the return of Christ and the restoration of Israel.
1: Well, it was great to hear your story again, Eric. And I know we are all really excited about this new season of teachings and discussions. Thank you again for joining us today. Everyone, please subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like it and share it with others. We look forward to joining us next time on House of David Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter.
0: We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.